You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Amen. Isn't that fun? I, I think it's fun. I, so I, a few of you do, so that's cool. Um, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors on staff here in I love Baptism Sundays. I love being able to, to worship together as a, as a church family, as a body, and as I, I love getting to, to watch people take that step of, step of obedience, as Stan said, saying, I'm with him, and this is how we're going to show it, right? I'm, I'm with Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with him. I'm setting my timer so I don't go <laughs> real long, because we have, we have other stuff going on this morning, too, that I'm excited about, but, but when we get to come in here and when we get to see that it is a beautiful thing and we get to worship together and we get to celebrate what God's doing but but here's the question I I think that probably some of you maybe are asking yourself like that okay I get it that's fun and you y'all are excited about it but isn't that a little bit weird and can we all just agree that yeah it's it is it's kind of I mean it's just a little bit weird some of you are like oh you just call baptism come on right like it's a little bit strange that, that we have people stand up and they talk about their story and then fully clothed they get into a horse trough in the middle of what how many I'm not good at numbers 300 people no I'm kidding that's those are church statistics um but, but they get into a horse trough in the middle of everybody here, and they get held underwater, and then Colton grabs Tristan's nose for him, and they push him down, right? That, there's a, it's a little bit weird, right? What, what is it? Here's the question this morning. What is it that causes people to do that? What is it that causes people to, to take a step of faith and obedience? And, and the way that looks here in our context is they climb into a, a horse trough full of water and they get dunked and they get brought back up and then we cheer I think you have to wonder and and the other thing that we get to do this morning is we get to we get to commission Austin and Lauren this morning at the end of our service because Austin and Lauren they they came down with the church plant they came down and uh in uh, tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow they are leaving us. Right, somebody, I don't know if that was a child or what, but that was perfect timing, right? Like they're leaving us, right? Yes, it's, they're leaving us, but what they're, what they're doing is they are, they are stepping out and they're saying, we believe that God has called us to go overseas and be workers among unreached people groups in, in a place that is close to the gospel. And we are sending them out. We're, we're praying over them. We're commissioning them. But again, the question is, what is it that causes people to do that? Right? What, what is it that causes a young couple to uproot their families, to uproot their family, to take their brand new little baby boy and move on the other side of the world? What, what is it that, that causes them to take their child away from its grandparents? What, what is it that causes them to miss uh, everything. I mean, Christmas and, and Easter and all these things. Like, and, and you may be a grandparent sitting there and you're thinking about your grandkids and it's like, oh, not my, not my grandbabies, right? 
what, what is it? Or maybe, maybe you have young kids and just thinking through what that, would, what that would be like, what would that would feel like. And the question is, what is it that would cause a young couple to do that and to take steps to go to places like that? And, and I believe it's the same, the answer to that question is the same answer that would cause a group of people to leave Iowa and come to Missouri to plant a church. Right? It's, the same, it's the same answer that would, that would cause maybe you to give up your Saturday and, and volunteer with people that you don't know. It's the same answer that would cause you to go to, to parks that maybe it's like, I don't know if I want to go there. But you go into there and try and build relationships with people that don't look like you and don't talk like you and don't act like you. Right? It's the same answer that would cause us to desire to build relationships with our neighbors and to be salt and light to the world around us when we would rather, at the end of a hard day, just go inside and turn the TV on and just relax. See, in the reality, the answer there is we have experienced God. The people who have got into this tank have experienced God. Austin and Lauren, who, who are going overseas, they have experienced God, and that experience of God propels them to be on mission with and for God. See, because that's the answer. We wanted to come down to Missouri, not because Missouri is just a dark and, you know, sinful place, which I guess, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you guys who are from here, maybe I'm from Missouri too. But, uh, like, we wanted to come down to Missouri because we are, we are compelled by something. We want to talk to our neighbors because we're compelled by something. What we're compelled by is an experience with God. That, that doesn't allow us to stay the same, that doesn't allow us just to, to focus on our own comfort and what we would rather do, but, but drives us to be about something more than just our little lives. And what we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at Isaiah's experience with God. So if you have your Bibles, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite passages, and as we are thinking about what, what, do we, what do we talk about this morning as we, we have baptisms and as we see Austin and Lauren off and as we pray over them as a church family, what do we, what do we look at? And in my mind, immediately, I go to Isaiah 6 because it's such a beautiful picture because the prophet Isaiah, he was a guy that had a really difficult message for, for his people, for the Israelites, for the Jewish people. And he was, he was a guy who, it was, it was really difficult, he actually... His life ended by, I believe he was sawn in two, which that's rough, right? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> the, it's, it, it was rough, and he had, a, he had a difficult message, and yet he was compelled by something more than just his own comfort. And what, we're going to see what he was compelled by, because what he was compelled by was an experience with God. So Isaiah chapter 6, I'm just going to read it for you. Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, 
having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. We're going to stop there. Let's pray. God, I, I praise you for just what we get to witness, what we get to experience, God. I praise you for your word. And God, I pray that you would use me this morning. Just help me to be clear. Help my mind to be clear. Help us to have, have ears to hear and a heart to comprehend what you would have for us this morning. We praise you and we thank you. And it's in your name. Amen. See, what we see is Isaiah's experience with God. And I just want to unpack this with you. Because, because first of all, what, what we see Isaiah as he's, as he's talking about his experience, he first says, in the, in the year King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord upon a throne high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. The first thing that we see here is he kind of gives this like historical marker. Right? He says, in the year King Uzziah died. This is when this took place. And, and we can see this first and foremost as like, okay, when did this happen? And you can read in Second Chronicles and you can read, read about King Uzziah and you can kind of see how he fits into the, the whole reign of kings. But even more than that, more than a physical historical marker, this, this is an emotional marker as well. This, is a, this says something about the, the place that Isaiah was in with the rest of the Israelites. Because as you read in 2 Chronicles, and I'd encourage you to, to go there, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, it tells about Uzziah. It tells about how he was this amazing king who, who he followed God early on. as He came into, into power when he was about 15 or 16. And he, he followed God and he trusted God, and God was faithful to him. And before King Uzziah came into power, the, uh, the Israelites had these enemies, and they were kind of encroaching on their territory. But under Uzziah and uh, Uzziah under God... He, he, he pushed back the enemies, and he enlarged the Israel. They had this, this time of prosperity, and yet he, he reigned for about 52 years, and towards the end of his reign, he became prideful. He became prideful, and God, God gave him leprosy, and it's a crazy story. But, but in his pride, and then, and then eventually with his death, the enemies of God's people were coming back into the picture. The Assyrians were breathing down their neck. The Philistines were coming back in. And, and I can imagine as, as Isaiah goes into the temple, as he goes in to, to do his, his priestly duties, as he, as he goes in, can you imagine the questions that he might have had? Can you imagine the fact that you just had this king that did amazing things and now he's gone? And, and you have the enemies coming in and the question is, well, what's going to happen next? Where's my hope at now? Because this, this amazing king, he's gone. What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to God's people, Lord? What's going to happen if, if we keep stepping out? What's going to happen if we, if we keep following you, if we keep trusting you? What's going to happen? And in, that, in those questions and in that attitude, he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isn't that awesome? He says, I saw the Lord. Anybody have one of those experiences where you're like, I saw Brad Pitt. Like you fill in the blank. I don't know. I've never seen Brad Pitt. But like, have you ever had one of those experiences? My wife, she's from Texas, and she tells a story about how she saw Flavor Flav. 
in a Bennigan's in Texas. It's like, what? No, you're, you're lying. You're kidding. Some of you have flavor. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, he's a rapper, late 80s, early 90s. Like, where's a big clock? No? Okay, yeah. Some of you are like, yep, nailed it, right? Yes, it, she saw Flavor Flav, you know? And it's like, I, can you imagine Isaiah in this moment? He's like, oh, yeah, Flavor Flav. Was that cool? Was it? That sounds pretty cool. It reminds me of the time that I saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? <laughs> I mean, how crazy is this experience? It says, I saw the Lord, and he's high and lifted up. And the, the idea there is, he's saying, in, in these questions, in this place where it's like, I don't know what our future holds. Our king has just died. I don't know where we're at. He, in that, in those questions, he says, but in that, I saw the true king, the Lord of hosts, the king who's above all kings, the one who is high and lifted up, who is exalted above all else. And he says the train of his robe filled the temple, and the train, it's this idea of like the, just the hem of his garment. The, can you imagine if, if he comes out of this, it's like, oh, I saw the Lord. It's like, what did he look like? I, his, the bottom of his garment was big. It's like... What? what? What was God? He's like, I don't know. Like, I got into that situation, and I got what? Can you imagine what you would do? Because I think what Isaiah did was he hit the ground. And, he, you know, as he's looking up, he's like, I, I can't look. I can't go any further. All I see is the train of his robe, and it's so big, and it's so much. Just the bottom of his garment. That's all I can describe in this moment. It reminds me of Exodus 24.10 where the, the Israelites, they had this experience where God came and they, they saw God and it says, uh, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet as it were a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? The, Israel, the leaders of the Israelites, they go and they have this experience with God and it says they saw the Lord. Okay, yeah, what was that like? I, I mean, the stones around his feet were beautiful. okay. That's cool. What was God like? He's like, I don't know. I couldn't lift my eyes above that. I couldn't, I, th this, this posture before God, this prostrate, like, you are God. You are high and lifted up. I'm me. He goes on to kind of describe this further, and we see, I, I believe we see this, this driven home in verse 2. He says, Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. He, he, he continues to describe the experience, what's going on around him, and, and there's these seraphim, and they're, they're standing kind of at attention as, as servants to the one who is high and lifted up. And, and I'm, I have an overactive imagination. I can't figure out what these things might have looked like. We, we think of angels, and we think, what do you think of? I don't know what you're saying, but <laughs> what, what I think of and what I see depicted oftentimes is a fat little baby, right, in a diaper with little bitty wings, and it's like, how does that thing fly? It's like a bumblebee. I don't know, <laughs> right? But what we see here is these seraphim, they're crazy, and they're, there's, they have six wings, and that, that, even that word seraphim, it was used to describe serpents, and translated that word seraphim, it means fiery ones, were they like dragons that were on fire with six? I don't know. But as they're flying around, they, they, it says that with two wings, what do they do? They cover their face. Why do they do that? 
Because they are in service to the one who is high and lifted up. They're in this posture of reverence and with two wings they cover their feet. They, they don't want to present anything before God that, that, is, that is unworthy, that is unholy. And they're flying around and they're, they're, they have a message, right? They, they have this posture of reverence and their message is, it says in verse 3 and 4, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. As they're flying around, they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is him. The Lord of hosts, the whole earth is filled with his glory. They are pointing, these otherworldly beings are pointing to God. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy. That idea of, of holiness, it's this, it's this idea of being set apart. Being, being holy other, being perfect and majesty and wonder. And they say it three times as they're crying out to each other, and it's so loud, and they're so, it's so crazy. It's so loud. It's shaking everything. And, and that idea of holy, holy, holy in Hebrew text, it, it's, the, it's, it's the, the most holy you can get. When you say something three times, like if you were, if you were on your way into, into church this morning and you hit a pothole, and, you know, if, if you're talking to me and you're like, yeah, I hit this big pothole this morning. It's like, whoa, crazy. Was it big, big? It's like, no, it was big, big, big. It's like, what? How are you even here, right? Like, is your car okay? Like, was this like a sinkhole? Like, did you go down to the center of the earth? Like, this is, like, it's, there's nothing that compares to it. And these otherworldly beings are saying, that's God, holy, 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 high and lifted up. And in the midst of this, in the midst of the holiness of God, in the midst of, of these otherworldly things pointing to God, Isaiah has a response. In verse 5, Isaiah says, And I said, Woe is me. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In the midst of my, my questions about what's next, in the, midst, in the midst of my worries, in the midst of all, I've, I saw the true King, and I am undone. That's what it says in other translations. In other translations, it says, I am ruined, I am destroyed, I am undone. In the midst of the glory of God as, as the smoke filled the temple, which we see other places, the, the smoke, it, it represents the physical, tangible nature of, of God's glory, and it fills the temple. And Isaiah realizes in that moment that he's like, one of these things is not like the other. You remember that from Sesame Street? I don't remember the song. Some of you probably do. But it's like, as I'm in this situation, as I'm on my face, as the smoke rolls in, as the whole building is shaking with the truth of what I'm experiencing, saying, oh, I shouldn't be here. I am undone. What was me? He realizes in that moment the distance between him and God because of the sin that dwelled in his life. See, I, I think oftentimes we try and denigrate God to a level that's more manageable than this. Like I've, I've heard people talk about how, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have some words with the big man upstairs. It's like, I don't think you are. <laughs> you know, they, or, or they talk about how, you know, me and, me and God, we're cool. 
right? Or like Jesus is my homeboy, like those t-shirts, you know? Like, like we try and denigrate God to a more manageable place. But he is so much more than that, right? Do you see that here? He is so much more than that. He is holy and he is majestic and he dwells, the Bible says he dwells in unapproachable light. And in the midst of that, Isaiah is saying, I am not that. It, it, when I, used to, I used to work for my uncle um, doing construction and carpentry and stuff. I don't get any ideas. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, that was a long time ago. But, but one, his specialty was finishing drywall. And that is a very frustrating thing, like extremely frustrating. Um, because we would, we would mud it, we, you know, tape it, mud it. Uh, we'd go over it, sand it, tape it, or not tape it again, but mud it, sand it, mud it, sand it, mud it, sand it, like uh, it, I, just a whole thing. And then we'd get to a place where he'd shut all the other lights off and he'd bring in the light. Because it was like, okay, we're in a good place, right? This, this looks great. I think we're ready to wrap it up. Let's put on the primer. We're, we're good here. And he would bring in that light and I'd just be like, ah. Because every time he brought in that light, he would take it and he would shine it down the wall. And when he shone it down the wall, you could see every imperfection, every low spot, everything that still needed work. It's just like, oh, we're not done yet. See, and I think at times we can go through life looking really good. We can go through life thinking everything's fine and we look really good just so long as you don't bring in a, in a more... Uh, bringing more light into the situation. I remember at one point in my life, I had unconfessed sin, and it was, uh, I, I had it buried deep. And it was for almost uh, a year or more, I had this sin that just ate away at my, at my bones, at my, at my very being. I had this sin in my life that I just knew if I confessed it, I just, I don't know what's going to happen if I confess this sin. People are going to walk away from me if I confess this sin. I, I'm not going to have the position that I hold if I confess this sin. People are going to think less of me if I confess this sin. And for, for over a year, I hid it and I just buried it deep down within me. And you know what happened? Every time I would get into a situation, whether it's, we, like, I was at Bible college at the time. We had chapel every day, every day. <laughs> you know what would happen when I would get into those experiences where, where God would start to reveal himself more fully, when, when the light of, of God would start to shine into my life? See, I looked good to everybody else, but when God began to shine his light into my life, there were sins there that I just could not bear. I couldn't bear to deal with them. And so what I would do is I would remove myself from that light. I would remove myself from where God, anytime I would feel like there was a worship service where it's just like, oh, God is working and moving, I would feel him saying, Luke, you still have this thing. And just a voice of love. Luke, you still have this in your life. Let me take this. Let me come in. Let me bring healing. Let me be with you. Let me help you. And what I would do is I would run. Because I didn't want that in my life. It was going to be too hard, too difficult. And yet in this moment, Isaiah is saying, I can't deny it. There's God. Here's me. I have this sin. And he confesses it. And he says, woe is me, because I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. But I absolutely love what Jesus does, what, what God does. After this, it says in verses 6 and 7, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. 
the angel of God, this, this seraphim, this fiery one, as, as Isaiah confesses and says, this is me, that's you, and this is me, and I am sinful, and I, I'm in this place, and I cannot stand before you. As he confesses that sin, it says one of, the, one of the seraphim, one of the fiery ones, comes to him with a coal that he took with tongs from off the altar, and, and he, he touched it to his lips. Now, now the place that he took it, I think it's super interesting where the altar that he took that, that coal from, most commentaries believe that this was the altar of, of incense. And in Exodus, it talks about on this altar, there should be incense burning at all times. And what it represented was the prayers that go up before God at all times from his people. That's what the incense represented. It represented people coming before God. And, and, and what the seraphim, what this angel did was he took that thing that represented people coming before God. And he took it to Isaiah and he says, you've been atoned for, you've been cleansed, you've been forgiven. Because of what's been happening on this altar. Because of the sacrifices that were made. Because of, because of what was done here, you are forgiven. And, and not only, I, I think that we can look at this and we can think, well, it was just a generic confession. I, what, did, what did Isaiah say when he experiences God? What did he say? What was me for I am what? A man of Unclean lips, right? He's not saying, woe is me, I am just terrible. He's saying, no, I have sin in my life. I have this thing in my life. And, and I, I love, what did, what did the seraphim touch with that coal? That, the thing that represented the prayers that go up before the people, the thing that represented the sacrifice that were, that were made, what did he touch with that coal? His lips, right? Isn't that a beautiful thing? Guys, Jesus Christ, God wants to come into your life, into that place of brokenness, into that place where you're like, oh, I have this stuff in my life. See, Jesus wants to come in and he wants to wrap his arms around you and he wants to say, hey, I died for that. Will you let me take it? Will you let me forgive you for that? Will you, will you receive the sacrifice that I gave on the cross for you, the blood, my body, Will you seek me out in this thing? And I know it might be difficult. And I, guys, if you put yourself, I'm, again, overactive imagination. Just put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. One of these fiery ones is coming out of him with a coal that he doesn't even want to touch, right? That he took with tongs from the altar. And he's coming at his face with it. You're like, I don't get it. Come on, like reread it for yourself. That's crazy. And yet I believe the beautiful thing there is he's saying, hey, just let me, let me atone for your sins. That, those unclean lips, that's just a, it's a, it shows something deeper. Let me take care of that. Let me take care of that. Let me heal you from that. And then, and then says in verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. The voice of the Lord, he didn't hear it until his sin was atoned for. I think that's, I think that's incredibly important. He didn't hear God speaking until his sin was taken care of by what happened on the altar. But when he hears the voice of the Lord, God is saying, who will I send and who will go for us? There's, there's a little bit left to be fleshed out in that calling, isn't there? 
saying, who will I send? I, I, I don't know. Who will go for it? I don't, I don't know. Send where? To who? To do what? When are you going to do it? Like, who do you need? What, what's the resume? What's the requirements? And yet Isaiah, in, in this place, as he experiences God in God's rightful place, as he experiences God in that way, as his sin, as he experiences the grace and the mercy of God to take his sins away from him through the power of, of the, the sacrifice, in that moment, he says, I don't care about any of the details. If you're doing something, I want to be a part of it. it I was thinking about Nick Serene. Like, Nick has all these crazy adventures. Like last year, he took, who was it, Jeremy and Josh, right? Yeah, Jeremy and Josh, they, he's like, hey, let's go kayaking. How many miles did you guys go? 126 miles. <laughs> kayaking with strong headwinds. There were some mornings I heard the story, like there were some mornings, I, I bet you guys weren't having very fond thoughts of Nick, right? And they, they just can't, what did you say? It's true, it's true, true statement. I mean, they ate granola bars. They, I mean, it was not a fun camping trip. Like, and I, I was thinking about Nick, and I'm like, if Nick were to tell me, like, hey, hey, Luke, come with me and do something with me, I'd be like, mm. <laughs> Let's flesh that out just a little bit more, right? Like, is this going to be a hundred, like an Iron Man thing that, like, I'm not that really... You see, in this moment, Isaiah, hearing the voice of the Lord with all the details taken away, with no, no explanation, being sent, that's, there's, some, there's some stuff that goes with that, right? Saying, who will I send? There's some, there's some expectations there. Who will go for us? In that moment, Isaiah, all the details, it didn't matter because of what he had experienced with God. He says, oh, ha. Here I am, send me. I don't, I don't know what you're sending me to. I don't know what the requirements are. I don't know if you can even use me. I don't know about anything else. But if you're doing something, then I want to be a part of it. If, if you, God, the one who is high and lifted up, who is in control of everything, who no matter what my future holds, you are in control of it. If you're doing something, God, oh, send me. Like It reminds me of a, of a child who's like, oh, you know, if you guys, if you don't have kids, you'll get there one day. Or if you've experienced children, it's like, okay, you know, it's like, okay, buddy, all right, just calm down. Like, that's what, that's what I think of. Isaiah's perspective has been so drastically changed by what he ex has experienced and by the sin that's been taken out of his life. And he's saying, you are good, God, and I want to be a part of what you're doing. And the question I have as we, as we think about what, what causes people to get into a tank? What causes people to, to move states? What causes people to go out of the country? What causes all these different things? It's, a, it's an experience with God where we understand who God is, where we have our, our sins atoned for and taken care of. And we can hear the voice of the Lord saying, who will I send? Who will go? And the question is, are you in that place? Are you, are you a person on mission? And you might, you might say, well, you know, I'm, I mean, it's easy for Isaiah. If I had this experience, of course I would go, right? If I had this experience, if I saw God, if I could do this thing, like if I was in this place, if I, if I saw the Lord, sure, sign me up. But I'm not Isaiah. What do we say to that? I think we can look at John 14, 8 through 9. 
And in John 14, 8 through 9, it says this. Jesus, he's talking about the end and what's going to happen. And the disciples are they're kind of trying to comprehend it. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? See, each and every one of us, if, if we look at the words of Jesus, if we, if we have experienced God, we can say, I've seen the Lord. I've seen God. I have seen him through the person of Jesus Christ. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, okay, we, technically we've seen the Lord, right? But, but I don't have that calling. I, I haven't heard the voice of the Lord. I, I, don't, I don't have the, this, you know, calling that Austin and Lauren do. How can, how can, I, how can I step out? If, if only, if only we had some kind of, like, commission, right? If only we had something where maybe it was described as great <laughs> in the Bible. Oh, we do, actually. Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right, first of all, this happened after he was resurrected from the dead. They saw him crucified, all that stuff, and he comes up and he's like, what's up, guys? All authority has been given to me. I don't think anybody's denying that. It's like, yep, true, right? (laughs) All authority has been given to me. What am I going to do with it? He says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, we have been given a calling. We've been given a commission to go make disciples. Whether that's, whether that's across the world, whether that's across the street, we have been given that. We have seen the Lord just look through pages of scripture. Look at the story of Jesus. Look at who, who he was and is, and we have seen the Lord, and we, each and every one of us, if we are in Christ, we have a calling on our life to make disciples. So again, the question is, what keeps us from responding in the way that Isaiah responded? What keeps us from that? I wonder, I wonder if for some of us it's, it's a wrong perspective of who God is. Isaiah had his perspective completely changed and turned upside down. And, and maybe, maybe you're one of those people where you have this, like, the big man upstairs mentality. And if that's you, I would encourage you to dive deeper into that. Because if that's what you think of God, then you don't know God. You haven't truly experienced God. You haven't experienced him in the way that the seraphim have. You haven't experienced him in the way that Isaiah has. I don't, think, I don't think in that moment Isaiah would be like, hey, God, I'm glad you showed up. Like, I got some questions for you. I got some things I totally don't. You, the king just died. Like, what's up with that? No, he, he, he didn't. That wasn't his response when he experienced God. And I think some of us have this experience of God that falls so short of who God actually is and what he actually desires for us to see of him. Maybe that's you. Maybe for, for some of you, you have this, this sin that's still in your life. Maybe you can't hear the voice of the Lord because you, you know this sin that you're struggling with, this sin that's still there. And, and you, you come before the Lord and it's like, 
oh, I just want that light taken away. I, I look good every other time, but God, when I come before you, it's this and it's that. And guys, I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning, if that's you, Jesus wants to enter into that brokenness with you. I, I love the verse. I skipped over it, but I'm going to go back to it. Um, I love the verse in 1 John. Nope. I can't remember. I have it up on the screen. It's where, where Jesus is looking over. There you go. Where Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to him. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. You see the, the voice of Jesus in that? He said, I just want to gather you up. I want to bring atonement for your sins. I want to bring you into this place where you can experience freedom from those things. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to be people on mission. Maybe that's you. Maybe this morning you have that sin in your life and you need to confess that. You need to bring it before the Lord. And I promise you, you will find healing. You will find forgiveness. You will find freedom. And maybe for, for some of us, we've just forgotten we, we don't live on mission because maybe it was a long time ago that we experienced God in this way. Maybe, maybe we were young and maybe we were more passionate back then and maybe we were more idealistic and it's like maybe that was a mountaintop experience. You know, the, the real world isn't like that, you know, all these different things. But guys, what I would encourage you to, I want you to, to, to look back and I want you to remember who God is. See, when we look back and when we remember what God has done in our hearts and in our lives, when I think back to, to the summer of 1998 when God came into my life and rescued me and redeemed me and, 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 and called me out of sin, it was still a really hard road, but man, it was so beautiful. See, is, is God still on the throne of your life? even though years have gone by, maybe? Is God still, still faithful to you, even though years have gone by? I would say yes, he is. And, and church, guys, I want to be people who are a mission for God. I want to be people like Isaiah who can say, here I am, send me. Here I am, God, no matter what it is, no matter where, no, anytime, anywhere, any place, God, send me. I don't, I don't want to be a church where we come in and we can sing, with everything, with everything, we will shout. Yeah, songs like that, with everything, it means something at some point, right? I don't know what everything might mean, but it does mean something. I don't know where you're sitting today. I don't know where you're at. But guys, I, I would encourage us. We, we need to have that experience with God. We need to remember. We need to look up. We need to, to remember who God is so that we can be people on mission. We're going to have the, the band come up, and they're going to play for us, and we're going to worship out of this. But I would encourage you. We're not going to have communion this morning. But I would encourage you as, you, as you think about these things, as you think about where you're at, and as you think about who God is, I would encourage you to enter into it. What is that experience going to look like for you this morning? What do you need to do before God this morning? I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us. God, we, I thank you. I thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for your mercy to us. God, I thank you for the, the fact that we get to see people step forward in baptism. God, I thank you that as a church we get to, we get to send out Austin and Lauren here in just a, just a few minutes. We get to pray over them, but God, I pray that, that watching them will spur us on 
to be on mission, no matter where that is, God. Some of us in here, I pray that you would send us to, to different parts of the world. But God, others in here, I pray that you would just send us across the street. I pray, God, that you would, that you would cleanse us from the sins that we have in our hearts and our lives and open up our ears to hear your voice, God. Let us be people on mission. Let us be a church on mission. It's in your name. Amen.